Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in once again to the place where sports opinions collide. Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Swell Kyle. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the national championship game. There's a new king in college basketball. We'll break it down for you. We're also going to ask the question that most NBA fans want to know. What's wrong with the Indiana Pacers? We're also going to get in some all-time L.A. Laker talk and much more. Of course, we're going to be joined by my partners, you know my boys from Dead End Hip Hop, B, FIFO, and Ken. So pass the word. Dead End Sports. It's about to go down right now. Let's go. Tuning in once again, it is Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That could only mean one thing. It is time for the best show on the Internet right now. You're locked in and listening to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show. Be a part of the show. Participate in tonight's discussion. There's a couple of ways you can do that. You can log into the chat room. The chat room is always open and interactive. Just create a profile for yourself and participate in tonight's discussion. Uh, You can also hit us up if you're on Twitter. Hit us up at Dead End Sports. Uh, You can also check out our webpage, deadendsports.com. Uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, go to facebook.com backslash deadendsports. Uh, become a fan of the page, like the page, and keep up with our updates on Facebook as well. Uh, remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night, so in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash deadendsports. You can also check us out on Stitcher. If you have an Android or iPhone, just go to your applications menu. Uh, download the Stitcher application for free to your phone. Uh, search Dead End Sports, and you can listen at your leisure, at home, or on the go. It's just that simple. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Man, we've got a lot of sports to talk about tonight. Um, of course, I'm not going to be doing it alone you know I got to bring in my boys. You know I'm from Dead End Hip Hop. Ken, B, and FIFO. Fellas, what's happening? What up, what up? What up, what up? What's good? Nothing. I might I might be having y'all on mute because I'm just leaving from the uh, from the uh, Pistons and Hawks game. 
Oh, okay. Hoss one? Uh, actually, Pistons up right now. It was like it was like half going halfway through in the third quarter. Or whatever. Pistons, Pistons is up. Can't FIFO, what's going on, fellas? What's up, man? Chilling, man. Chilling, chilling, chilling. Ken, you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. Okay, okay, okay. Just checking, just checking. Uh, the phone number to call in six four six four seven eight zero three five six. As I mentioned, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about national championship game from last night. We're going to talk about some what's wrong with the Pacers. We're going to talk about uh, some Major League Baseball. We're going to talk about all-time Laker greats. We're going to talk about it all. So tell a friend to tell a friend. The boys are back on the air again. Um, before we get started on, on, on sports, man, I, I got to – we we know hip-hop. We talk hip-hop on this show from time to time. Um, Drake, man. Uh, before we get into it, <laughs> I gotta ask, man, why is Drake such a whipping boy? I mean, for those of you who missed it, um, apparently Drake, the rapper Drake, is a huge Kentucky fan. Uh, I don't know when he became a Kentucky fan, but, um, he's a huge Kentucky fan. He was at the Final Four this past weekend. Uh, he was in the locker room, I think, when they won on Saturday, um, but uh, Drake was looking kind of sad last night as Kentucky Kentucky lost to UConn. So the question I want to throw to you guys real quick, man, why is Drake such a whipping boy, man? I mean, he's the one that puts it on himself. He, he's the one that, <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not like people are setting him up to to put him in these situations where we're gonna laugh at him and clown him. He does this to himself. It, you know, you can't. It's, it's his fault. If he if he want to be looking like a lonely uh, puppy in the stands, and then hey, and then you want to be what was, it, what was that one picture he was like all up under Demarcus Cousins underarm and shit. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's, just, it's like he does it to himself. That's why he is like he's a, he makes himself an easy target. So it's like you can't you can't feel sorry or get mad when people go ham on him. On you know, especially in the social media world we in now, it's like every little thing you do. People gonna get you. You gonna you 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 gonna get set up, especially if you was as popular as Drake. If you're doing right. something out of the ordinary, you know, expect people to clown you. And if you look at stupid at the same time and goofy and like and lame, it's like do you? Man, he was looking so sad last night, man. Yeah. And shout out to our boy Modest Media, man. He tweeted out today. He said Drake is the most popular unpopular person in America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with with B man. He he probably shouldn't have been you know at the game, but um, well, no, I take that back. What am I saying? I, he does put it put himself in those situations, but he is a Kentucky fan, so yeah, he's going to be at the game. And as a Kentucky fan, you know, as, as he's been always per him, then yeah, I mean, I, I can see him being looking sad and upset that that his squad just lost. So. You know, I, I you know I get that. You know, but I think you know he just puts him because he is who he is, and he's become this punching bag. You know, just by him being at the game trying to root for a team that he likes. You know, he 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 got it. You know, um, him being at that game to me is no different than Spike Lee being at um, you know the New York Knicks. You know, Spike Lee's just not a punching bag, and right. and that's that's all it is. Okay, okay. I, I had to ask, man, because within minutes of the game ending, uh, there was pictures of Drake all over the Internet. 
some photoshopped him into uh, different pictures, man. So, like I said, man, he, he's a punching bag, man. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Phone number to call and it's in. it's easy. You know, it, it's, it is. It is. It's really easy. And I know you guys, I know you, I remember when you guys did a review of his album, and just I just went to the comment section on YouTube, and I mean, like, it was like a gazillion comments. Like, everybody had, you know, half the comments weren't even about his album or the review for that matter. It was just about a whole bunch of other stuff of whether or not they liked Drake or didn't like Drake. Um, but, I mean, he's popular, uh, so it is what it is. Yeah, it is, <laughs> but you know what, you, you have a situation where everybody's trying to be funny. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like, and, and, and we're not, you have people that, that are funny and can make jokes, and that's kind of what they do, but you have everybody trying to be funny when they're not. And I think that that's the problem. It, it really compounds the situation, and you have people that's just trying to, you know, just go along with the flow. It's group thing, man. So everybody's just jumping in, trying to get a piece of it and, and be, you know, uh, the guy for a brief right. moment with the comment. You know, you know what I'm saying? So... I know exactly. Yeah, same thing with Wayne, I, man. I totally, totally understand. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. You're locked in to Dead End Sports. We're rocking with you up until 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Jump in the chat room, holler at us, get us on the phone. Uh, we're going to talk sports all night long. Uh, so let's start there, man. Last night, National Championship game, Dallas, Texas Stadium, AT&T, Stadium, the house that Jerry built, UConn, cuts down the net 60-54 to over uh, Kentucky's um, Fab Five. Um, I, I'll start there, man. I'll start with you, FIFO, man. What were your thoughts about the national championship game? Um, you know, it's interesting when you have, like I said, talent versus experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. You talked about it last week, too. Mm-hmm. I really think that that's what it came down to. Again, guard play. Um, you know, I, I think UConn, their guards for co- for the college game, you know, they're just a little bit quicker. They can get to their spots. Um, but I thought it was a good game. You know, I think um, Kentucky early on definitely showed it. It's you. You know, uh, Randall was kind of out of it. You know, it was turnovers and, you know, but once they settled down, they made it into a game. But, you know, it, it, it was – I'm just I'm just amazed of Shabazz, honestly. Like I was saying last week, it just seems like throughout the regular season, it's kind of like he doesn't wow you. He might have a game or two, you know, maybe three or four, that he puts up some numbers, but for the most part, he's pretty much quiet. But as soon as he gets into the NCAA tournament, like this guy, he, he, he transforms as a player. So, you know, shout out to them for, uh, especially Shabazz for winning one his, his freshman year and now senior year. Right. Um, and, and it was. I just think it was an awesome game. I think that this was a really good NCAA tournament. Uh, one of the ones that I've actually enjoyed watching is everybody knows watching the show. Or I mean, listening to the show. They, you should know. I, I don't really like college ball like that, but this one was definitely entertaining. The storylines were great, and and I think you know it was an interesting combination at the end. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. What about you, B? What What were your thoughts on the national championship game from last night? Oh, yeah, I loved it, man. I think I'm glad that, you know, the national championship kind of matched the intensity of the whole tournament. Because, you know, you got some NCAA tournaments where you'd be like, oh, man, the Sweet 16 and, the, the you know, the round of 32 games was better than the final four games. You know, you, you have some games, you know, mm-hmm. some years where you'd be like, well, damn, you know, the championship, that was a blowout. Or it wasn't even, right, no, you know, exactly. it wasn't no, yeah, it wasn't no competition. But, like, I, th- I, I think 
you know, as good as the tournament was this year, I thought it, it finished well with the, with a great championship game. I mean, a good Final Four game, even a good Elite Eight games. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, each each weekend it just came. It was a lot of games that came down to the wire and came down to crucial possessions and had you on the edge of your seat. And I think with this, you know, with this championship game last night, you know, it's like just when you think Kentucky kind of out of it, here they go. They call it. They keep. They creeping. They call them back in. Call them back in. It's like oh, okay. You know, they stay within five with it going into the last six minutes. You know, it's anybody's game. So it's just right. it's one of those you know, those championship games I had you guessing. And, yeah, and, and Shabazz was just, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's one thing I love about Turner because he's just like what Carmelo and Dwayne Wade was, you know, in the years, you know, in 2003. It was like you didn't really hear that much about him a lot during the regular season. But then when mm-hmm. the tournament came, it was like, you know, it was like, you know, Dwayne Wade was falling. You know, um, Carmelo Anthony was falling, but you didn't hear much about him during the regular season. Same thing with Shabazz. I mean, yeah, Shabazz, you know, you hear his name a little bit in the regular season, but then when, when tournament time came, it was like he just took his game to another level, and that's what I love about the tournament because, like, they don't need stars because stars are born in the tournament. You know, and that's, you yep, know. And that is so true. Yep, you never, you never, you might see, you might see Shabazz make that good transition to the NBA. You'd be like, yep. I seen him ball out in the tournament. I knew this was gonna happen. Same thing with Dwayne Wade. When Dwayne Wade went to the league and started balling, he was like, "Man, I knew something was with that dude." And when I saw him balling at Marquette, so I loved it. I, I thought the championship game was good. It kept, it kept me. I watched the whole, and I was excited the whole time, and tweeting and everything. So yeah, it was cool. What about you, Kim? What, what were your thoughts on the game? It was a really good game. You know, like like D said, it was one of those games that could have really easily went. Uh, either way, coming down the stretch, especially with five minutes to go or four minutes to go. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. And I think we got what um, what we wanted and the, mm-hmm. the seeds end up playing, you know, uh, like they should have, a seven versus an eight, played like a seven versus an eight. And it really tossed out the seeds. They became irrelevant, you know, so um, – yeah, man, I, I thought it was a it was a, a really good game. I thought it was well played and well coached by UConn um, from from Kevin Kevin Ollie's uh, perspective. He did he did an outstanding job uh, with UConn. But overall, man, I, I enjoyed the game. I was I was locked in from from tip off to uh, to when they were cutting down the nets, man. And I, so it it's, it gave me everything that I was looking for to complete uh, a fantastic. March Madness season. I don't mean to cut you yeah, off. I, I agree totally, man. I, I think, and, and B it hit the nail on the head. I think in years past we've had great games leading up to the national championship game, and then seeing a blowout. And you know, for for a minute there, you know, it looked like it could kind of get away because you know uh, UConn jumped out and they had a 15 point lead. Um, but as we were tweeting and uh, we were tweeting back and forth, and I was saying it's still a lot of time left. It's early. Teams, I mean, we all know the game. Basketball is a game full of runs. Um, and, uh, you know, Kentucky took the they took the first punch, or the first two or three punches. Uh, then they punched back when they went to that zone, and which was a surprise to me because that's not something that is, uh, you know, typical of, of a Calipari coach team. He'd rather play you straight up man-to-man. And he's always had the athletes to do it. But like FIFO said, the guard play was just tremendous. I thought – uh, Napier and uh, Boatwright, they just those guys just seem just a step quicker than the guards. I, I like Young um, from Kentucky, and of course the twins. Those guys are tall, but they're not as fast. And I thought, you know, uh, 
outside of Bowright getting in an early foul trouble, he could pretty much get to the cup or get in the get in the lane anytime he wanted to. Shabazz Napier was uh, you know dropping threes from left and right, so I thought it was a great game. I thought what was what was key was that, like you said, we got the game to, especially when it got to about five minutes left in the game. We were we were five to seven minute mark uh, in the four, in the second half. That's where we really saw you know both teams just really kind of slugging it out, and that was vindicative of a, a national championship game. And it was just like how the regular season was, and just like how you know this whole tournament was. So I thought we got a very good game, and, and like B said, you don't always see that every year. So I thought that was key. Um, the phone number to call in area code six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six again six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Uh, so let's break it down, Matt. B, why do you think UConn won the game? If you had to pick a thing or two as to why they won, um, what what would you say? I would say, I mean, not only they front they front play good, but you know, a point that people made. I mean, I've been I've been seeing this for years in the NCAA tournament. You know, the great guard play. If you got if you got great guard play, I even think some of the commentators even said it, it was like yeah, throughout the years you have to have great you know point guard. You know, you have to have good guard play in the tournament because they have the ball ninety percent of the time. And, you know, Shabazz right. was was a great point guard, a senior point guard to have leading your squad, and he had the ball ninety percent of the time. Whether he was coming down hitting the three. Penetrating, creating open shots for other teammates and um, other guards. Who was his name? Uh, Boatwright. I think Boatwright. Right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they, they both they both did their thing, man. They, they they shot well. You know, they they wasn't taking like really bad shots. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, it was you know it came down to guard play. And I think mentally, if you're like mentally, it's like uh, as the game went further, you know, Kentucky never really took a lead or, or got a lead. They got close to getting a lead, but I think right. mentally. I think it just kept messing with Kentucky as the as the game kept going on. It was like, man, as soon as we get close, we can't never take the lead. And I think mentally, it kind of drained, you know, that young squad a little bit. And I, I think they just couldn't they couldn't really bounce and get and just get, get, put their foot forward and get that lead and try to try to take control of the game. And you kind of had control of the game the whole time. Like Ken said, you know, Kevin Ollie did a great job of coaching. I mean, he really did a good job coaching coaching that squad up. I mean, nobody saw. I think it was the first seven seed to win the championship. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, great guard play, and I think mentally, you know, it kind of it kind of took a toll on the young freshman Kentucky squad. What about you, uh, FIFO? What, what, why do you think uh, UConn? I know you mentioned Napier earlier. What other reasons do you think uh, reason why UConn won? You know, um, something my basketball coach always told me, um, or told our team, and I and I use it as well when I coach basketball, and I always tell the kids that. There's two things that's going to win you a championship. That's defense and free throws. And when you look at Kentucky last night, defensively they couldn't keep Boltwright or Napier from getting where they wanted to get to. And then free throws. You know, they shot an atrocious percentage. Um, and, and I think that's been Calipari's Achilles heel, really, where, you know, yeah. back, I think, what was it, 08 with Derrick Rose and them? You know, mm-hmm. that was a bad free throw shooting team. And, you know, um <clears throat> I, I think I think those two were the main two things, honestly. Um, I think the other thing, too, was Kentucky was never able to sustain momentum. Um, you know, like you said, Kyle, and I always say it as well, and I think anybody that has any type of basketball knowledge understands basketball is a game of runs. But the team that typically wins out is a team that goes on a run and can sustain that run to kind of put that team away. 
and I don't think Kentucky ever had one of those. And, and then the other thing, too, is is UConn kind of sustained the run. Anytime Kentucky threw a jab, then here came UConn. You see what I'm saying? So Kentucky was never really able to get over that hump defensively. They, you know, that's the reason why Calipari had to go to his own. You know, and, and like Ken said, to Ken's point, you know, that's not indicative of Calipari's team. You know, but they had to do what they had to do, man. And um, I, really, for me, it just came down to defense and free throws. No doubt, no doubt. What, what about you, Ken? What, what were some of your uh, reasons as to why UConn won? Kentucky ran out of magic. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that it, it really came down to that because there were, like people said, there were three um, – there were a couple of stretches um, in that game where, where Kentucky could have just, you know, taken the game. They couldn't sustain that momentum, like people said. And there were a couple of opportunities that I, I saw that they missed and I thought were key to the game. You know, they managed to withstand UConn coming out, you know, really motivated and really aggressive and, and really confident that they were going to win the game. And I think once Calipari kind of adjusted and got his team a little bit more composed, you know, uh, they started to kind of get back in the game. They went on their run, and, you know, then here we go. We got us a game, right? But in the second half, which is really where Kentucky, you know, wins their game and they make their money, there was a stretch where they had Kentucky, I mean, UConn, in a two for 13 uh, field goal mm-hmm. shoot, uh, shooting stretch where they couldn't hit anything. And Kentucky was, like, right there, one point, two point, one point, two point. But they kept making mistakes. They kept missing shots. They couldn't get the rebound, or it was a turnover. So like that, like people said before, they couldn't sustain that momentum. They couldn't take the lead and then continue to go for the gusto because UConn was flustered. You, Kentucky had them right where they want them, and, and, and they couldn't take advantage of that. And then they managed to, you know, UConn, you know, got it back, got momentum back, and they built the lead again. And, and after James Young's amazing dunk, here, oh here comes Kentucky again, <laughs> right? And and this is where I think the game was lost for Kentucky. It was, um, and I think it was one of the Harrison twins. They were he was in the in the bottom left hand corner on your screen. He was wide open for a three. He missed the three that would have gave given them a two point lead, I believe. And one of the the Kentucky forwards grabbed the rebound, but the guy for UConn came over his back. And they called the jump ball on that instead of a foul. Mm-hmm. And after that, we saw UConn hit like two threes back-to-back. And I think when you've been playing a game, you've been playing uphill for that long, and you like right there, and it's, it's all you need is one bucket to take the lead, you know, right. it, it becomes tough. It becomes really tough. And I think there was another moment where, um, you know, uh, you've already, you guys have already spoken about the free throws, but there was another moment where they missed the free throw that could have tied the game. You know what I'm saying? So they just ran out of the magic and the juice that they've had leading up to that. And and one final point that I didn't quite understand was Randall. Randall didn't play enough. He didn't play consistent minutes. Calipari kept shuffling him in and out of the game, and I think he probably could have had more of an impact than he had because when Harrison was was dribbling and penetrating, he was getting those guys' looks, and that kind of helped turn the momentum. So – you know, I thought Calipari may have overcoached a little bit, and I think he played to uh, to their to them being young instead of mm-hmm. you know playing to their talent. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. Everybody made some great points, man. The only thing I have to add is, I mean, obviously we talked about free th- – well, actually, we can go back to um, when we first started talking about the tournament, you know, three weeks ago. Uh, one of the first things we said on this show is that guard play because – and I think FIFO hammered the point home that, you know, the guards are going to have the ball most of the time. And he said teams with good guard play usually go deep into the tournament. I remember him saying that. Uh, of course, none of us thought it would be UConn, you know, but – Nevertheless, that's what got them that far, and 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 to his point, that's exactly what they did and what they used it to execute. Um, and and they slayed a couple of giants on the way to you know the national championship game. And you know when you look at the UConn team, and, and like you said, much props goes to Kevin Ollie, a uh, guy who stand out. He had a standout career at uh, UConn, and then also in the NBA, played for a lot of years. Uh, you know, a solid player in the NBA. And now coaching at his alma mater, he you know took the job after um, Jim Calhoun stepped down. Um, you got to give them credit, man, because UConn, you know, they weren't a team that was the preseason number one or anything like that. I don't even know if they were ranked in, in, at the beginning of the season. Um, but just a couple of points on last night, man. I think, and I just tweeted it out. Um, UConn, the, between the two guards, they had ten rebounds between them. Ten rebounds and thirty-six points between them. Um, phenomenal. Uh, Kentucky last night missed 11 free throws. UConn missed 14 free throws the entire tournament. That's huge. You know, you can't you can't win like that. And I think, to B's point, UConn got, I'm sorry, Kentucky got to, they got the game to within one, three separate times, and they never could get that bucket to take the lead or to tie the game. And I think, you know, just from a mental aspect, uh, when you've been down and you're fighting from from behind and you're fighting and fighting and fighting and you just can't get over the hump, it does something to you mentally. And the fact that they never took the lead, I think, was um, you know a, a credit to UConn, man. So you know definitely got to give them props for playing, and, and I think they played you know phenomenal, uh, especially down the stretch, especially down the stretch. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six seven six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You're listening live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Twelve Kyle, joined by my partners, FIFO, B, and Ken. You know from Dead End Hip Hop. This is Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. Um, now, obviously, they came into uh, when I say they, I mean Kentucky. They came into the game highly heralded freshmen. Uh, a lot of people were comparing them to Michigan's Fab Five, which I thought was crazy, but <laughs> nevertheless, they were compared to Michigan's Fab Five. Um, so, B, I'll start with you. Which of these freshmen do you think are going to just bolt to the NBA? B? He might have us on mute. I know he said he was coming back from the game. Let's jump to Ken real quick. Ken, which one of these freshmen do you think uh, is going to head to the NBA? Uh, if, if there is anyone, I think it would be uh, Randall. <clears throat> but who I think should leave, I, I, I don't think any of them should leave. I think they, they need to bring their ass back. Um, <laughs> we, we saw a lot. That, yeah, that, I think I they agree. need to come back, Ken. Huh? I agree. <laughs> Yeah, man, Randall. Randall can can work on his game. I mean, they they found a weakness in him. I think what is it? Force him left or force him right? Whatever it is. Um, force him right. Yeah, so he he needs to work on that. And uh, and the Harrison twins. I think they need to come back and 
and um and work on that game a little bit. I know they'll have the experience, but um but yeah, I, I, there's there's just learning how to play the game and learning how to run some you know some sense. Like they can get the coaching in the NBA. Let's not let's not get it twisted. They can get that in the NBA, but the hell was that? But but all in all, yeah, I think they all need to bring their ass back. If you ask me. Yeah, you're right. You you're right, Ken. But I mean, let, let's this is Calipari. You know, he's good for coaching one and done. So and I mean, he got three more lined up too. Right. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, if three out of that five go to the league. You know what I'm saying? I would not be surprised mm-hmm. at all. I mean, yeah, the Harrison twins. I do think they should. They need to stay. They they got the height, but they still got a. They're not like manly body. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't got that NBA body, man, grown man body yet for the NBA. That I think that I think. I mean, I don't know if they can buff up with them during the off season, going into the season. But yeah, they still got to get some more meat on their bones. I think for them to be considered, you know, guarding some of these strong guards, you know, quicker guards that's in the NBA. Yeah, I do think Randall probably could, you know, go in the NBA, just work on the, in this game in the summer league or whatever. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, Ken, if, if you know, three out of five or four out of five of them go to the league because that's what Calipari's doing. Because Calipari's working on, he's probably going to end up recruiting the top, you know, one, two, three, seven, and eight in the country next year. So, I mean, what's going to leave room for them? You know what I'm saying? So, I wouldn't be surprised if they all have most of them because that's Calipari. He's the one and the, he's the one and done coach. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree totally. What, what about you, FIFO? How many of those guys you think are going to take off and pursue the millions of the NBA? I think uh, probably four of them. Um, I think. Yep. Yeah. I think um, Young is the one that I think could benefit the most by staying back. Um, I, I think the Twins could benefit, but I, but I think their overall um, growth would be better in the NBA um, as long with Randall, um, mainly because I think Randall, his game, the floor is too small for him to be able to dominate college. Okay, just, just okay, the type okay. Because when you look at the way that UConn guarded him, right, they played off of him to give him the jump shot, and he mm-hmm. still forced the issue. He still closed that gap. And when he gets a slight head of steam, that, that he's a grown man. You, because right. you, you, they, they zoomed up on him a couple of times. That's a grown man right now. He's only going to get big, bigger and stronger. So I think that, and I think college holds him back, kind of like it holds back Wiggins. I think that he's a little bit more explosive. I think there's a lot more to his game that he really couldn't expose in college. The Twins, I think they need some work. Um, I, I, the thing I don't like about them is they don't seem quick. They, 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 right. they don't seem explosive enough to be NBA guards. Like to be point, they do have the size. I, I, they just don't have the quickness. So, so I'm interested to see um, them transition to the NBA because aren't they both like six four? Uh, like they might be. I think they're both like. Well, they they're listed at six six. I mean, you take that for what okay. it's worth. <laughs> you so, know, okay. like Between they will lie. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. so so honestly, they both have prototypical two guard sizes in the NBA. You know, so maybe maybe one of them, maybe they both play two guard in the NBA. I'm not sure. But, you know, at the two guard, I, I think that they have enough athleticism at the two guard, but not as a point guard. I, I, either one of them, I, I, don't see, I don't see that dynamic athleticism or explosive quickness that you need to be an elite level guard in the NBA. I, I, I just don't see it. Um, young, I like Young, but 
like I said, I think he just, I think he needs one more year. I think he needs just one more year and then he'll be all right. But um, but yeah, man. Um, I I think Randall's ready. Randall is, and I've been saying it, and one of my favorite sports um, uh, sports personalities. He actually said exactly what I said. Randall is going to be a star in this league. He's going to be an all-star. He's not going to be your main superstar. He's going to be your second star. He's going to be your boss type of guy. He's going to be 2010. He's going to be he's going to he's going to be real close his rookie year next year. Okay. To that. Okay. I think he's going to be like 16, 18, nine, like nine, ten boys. I think so man. too. Like, I, I think he has right star potential written all over him. I think it's just and much like Ken said. I think they. It, they all would benefit on com- in coming back. I think if anybody should go, Randall should go. Um, but like you said, Calipari is not gonna. He's never been that kind of coach that's gonna hold these kids back. He's gonna, you know, talk to his NBA people, the people that he knows, and have them reach out to the kids and you know see where draft pro- projections may be. And and if four of the five or you know first round picks, probably three of the five maybe lottery picks. Um, He's going to advise him to go, and, and that's just who he is. Uh, they said his class is, is – he's got a hell of a class coming in next year. Not as good as this class. Uh, Duke has the number one class. I saw a kid that's going there next year, and he is phenomenal. If, if for some strange reason Jabari Parker comes back, Duke is loaded next year. Um, so look for them to be definitely back in the mix uh, you know, next season. Um, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Right now we got a call up calling from area code 704. Let's not keep him waiting. Calling you on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Brandon from Charlotte, also uh, at the Great Cosmo on Twitter. Brandon, what's up, man? <laughs> what's up, man? How you guys doing? You told, you told Ken you was going to call in last night. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, and uh, <laughs> right. it wasn't it wasn't the blowout that I thought it was. But uh, the reason why, let me just let me just say the reason why is because neither of those teams, obviously, they wanted to win the game, but neither of those teams were playing like they wanted to win the game. Kentucky couldn't yeah. win because they missed free throws, and mm-hmm. UConn, the, the reason UConn couldn't blow them out was because and Boatwright's been phenomenal all tournament, but last night. He turned the ball over at some key times, which caused Kentucky to go on some runs. So right. That's so that's what I think of that. And then also uh, just one more thing about the uh, NBA thing. I think they should all come back because uh, if if Randall wants to dominate in the NBA, he needs to work on dribbling with his right hand. Why does everybody that is, think that? Well, you know what, people, I I tweeted about it last night. I mean, he reminds me, and and I'm not comparing his game to Ginobili, but, I mean, like, people still haven't figured out that Ginobili won't go right. I mean, you have to force Ginobili right for him to go right. If he has his choice, he's going left. And Randall was the same way. And like B said, when he gets ahead of steam, he he almost always goes left. And you have to be diversified in the NBA. He can play in the post, and that's great. But in the NBA, when he's playing against guys that he's not more athletic than, he's going to have to be able to take them off the dribble a couple times. And in order to do that, he's going to have to work on his right hand. So that's, but here's that's the all thing, I'm saying about no, that. No, but, 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 but here's the thing. In the half court, Randall is shifty enough, even with just going one way that you can't stop him, and he has strength. And be, to be honest, when he comes into the NBA, he's going to be a top ten most athletic power forward in the NBA day one. Day one. 
So I, I, but you still got to be able to go white, though. You don't always right, go white. Right. I, 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 I don't think he's ready yet. I think he needs to come back one more year, but that's just me. So, but uh, you guys, you, you guys have a good night. Enjoy the show and uh, keep up the good videos on Dead End Hip Hop. Big fan from almost the very beginning. So, you all no, take appreciate easy. you, man. I Thanks. appreciate it, Owen. All right, man. Thanks for calling Thank in, Brandon. You. No problem. Phone number, Brandon, call 646-478-0356. Uh, <clears throat> now let's, let's, let's transition to the NBA. A uh, lot of things going on as the uh, playoffs are right around the corner. Um, I want to talk about a team that we talked about, um, and they're, they're really making me look bad right now because uh, I was I was drinking the juice. I'll be the first to admit um, I was drinking the ju- juice. I was you know sticking my chest out saying that you know one of their superstars should be in consideration for MVP and. Ken is taking me to task for even mentioning that, even though I thought he was worthy at the time. Um, but, uh, man, the Indiana Pacers, man, uh, Sunday night, uh, my Atlanta Hawks went to Indianapolis. And and, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I love my Hawks. I mean, we're not going anywhere. We'll probably be the AC. We'll get swept, and we'll start over next year. I mean, we, we got too many guys hurt to really even do damage in the first round. But to go to Indiana and – our, the 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 halftime lead for the Hawks was 32 points. I mean, blowing Indiana out by 32 points, who had 21 points at halftime. I don't know how in the NBA you have 21 points at halftime. I said all that to say this: Indiana has lost, I think, two of their last nine. They won two of their last nine games. They're in a tailspin since the All Star break. Paul George is struggling. Uh, Roy Hibbert has talked about guys playing selfish. Um, FIFO, man, what the hell is wrong with the Pacers? You know, um, it's interesting how team chemistry is. One of those things you really can't quantify, but you can definitely see it when it's there. And and it seems as if after the trade deadline, you know, once they made the moves and they picked up um, Bynum and they also picked up... Um, Oh, what's his name from uh, Turner. Evan Turner. Philly? Evan Turner. It just seems like they've been struggling. Uh, I think, you know, close, a little bit after midway of the season, that's when you've seen Paul George starting to struggle. So I just honestly think it's a combination of all of that. Um, you know, it, it, I, I've seen this interesting stat on ESPN saying that, I want to say that, it was like a hundred and something odd minutes that Evan Turner and Roy Hibbert have played together. And I don't even think that Evan Turner has had an assist to Damn. Hibbert. So exactly. So, you know, that that's, that's chemistry, you know, and Larry Bird tinkered with a championship ready squad. And I'm not blaming Larry Bird because I actually applaud the moves. I like the moves, mm. but I, you know, the timing and then now them struggling and all of this other talk. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm hoping and I think that once the playoffs come, they'll be fine mainly because you could just focus on one opponent and they have a goal of a championship. So they should be able to work through that. So I, I, I think once the playoffs come, I, I think they'll be all right. But if they play like that, they're not going to beat Miami. 
And especially now, and it's interesting because all year their main objective has been get home court advantage. Right. And, and they're not getting they that. They may not get that. <laughs> you know, right. So, so how much of a setback is that for them mentally? You know, so I don't know, man. There's a lot of things going on. Um, I never picked them to beat Miami. I said that they can challenge them, and it'll be interesting. But um, the way they play right now, I, I, that's not going to happen. So, I, and I know you meant you mentioned chemistry. I mean, Bird tinkered with it to some degree, but I mean, this this is not a team. This is a veteran team. I mean, this is a team that pushed Miami, you know, as far as they could last year. Is, is chemistry? I mean, like. I guess the the question I'm asking is when you think about chemistry, you think about teams that are, you know, that may not know each other that well. I mean, these guys are, you know, the core guys. They've been in they've been in the system three four years now. That's true, but that you know that doesn't really. But but I don't know, man. I don't know. I, look, I am not inside the Pacers. I really don't have inside information. I I just could see what I see from outside looking in, and outside looking in. Plus the comments, you know that that these guys are releasing to the media. I just I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. But like you said, they are a veteran squad. They've been there. They've played together for multiple years. It's not like it's a new system, new coach, none of that type of stuff. So you know, again, I just think that the playoffs will actually benefit them because they'll be able to hone in. And, okay. You know, it, it's not a whole bunch of different opponents. It's not no back to back. You know, so I, I just think that that would benefit them. Okay. What what about you, B? What do uh what do you think's wrong with the Pacers, man? I don't know if it's just, you know, long season. Because I think we had like this conversation about Miami, you know, I think mm-hmm. about a month ago when they was kinda like in a funk and people was like, Well, you know, is Miami gonna do this? I mean, I I was saying like, you know, it's just a long season, sometimes you're gonna have stretches and I think it's kinda magnifying more because it's it's close to playoffs. Like if, right. if Indiana if Indiana was in this funk in November, December, January, they would be like, oh yeah, you know, they get together. It's a long season. They'd be ready by playoffs. I think it's just by it being, you know, we about what two weeks away from the playoffs starting. Yeah. And the way Indiana's playing right now, it's like, wait a minute, this this ain't the same squad that's been dominating the East for a majority of what four months of the NBA season. And it's like, what is this team we looking at now? So I don't know if it's just. You know, it's a little bit of fatigueness, and right now, where the teams is kind of just getting ready for the for the playoffs. Where and then to people's point, I was getting ready to counter that, like not counter, but I was getting ready to agree with, like, yeah, it's like I think mentally, people, I think I think if they don't get this number one seed, I think mentally they they're done because going into this season, that was like one of their goals. Like our goal right. is to get home court advantage, so we can so we can take advantage of Miami. If we get this home court advantage against Miami, we straight, we good. And I think mentally by them, if they don't get this number one seed and get home a home court advantage throughout the East, I think mentally they're they're done. I think I can see them, you know, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and probably and probably losing to five, you know, to to Miami, you know, and and not being a threat just the way they they're playing right now. I don't know if they right. they I don't know if they're gonna kick it up or not. You know, when play, you know how certain, you know how some teams be. So when play, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, okay, yeah, there they go. That's that's the squad we know of. So. Ah, you know, it's interesting to see. It's like I said, long season. Maybe they just right. kind of just playing awfully bad right now, close to playoffs, and you know they might pick it up come come April. You know, the end of April, early May. So we shall see. But I think the crazy. thing that 
I think the thing that has, has, and I'm not even, obviously, like I said, I'm a Hawks fan. I, the thing that had me concerned as I watched that game the other night, like, it was, I, I mean, the Hawks were making, I mean, I'm probably, I'm, I may have been the only person watching that game, but, I mean, the Hawks were hitting the shots at, with ease, but also, you know, you had Hibbert in the game, and, I mean, you had guys just coming through the lane. I mean, nobody was dunking, but the Hawks were getting every shot that they wanted, and it was just like, I mean, like it was almost like they didn't even like the Pacers didn't, didn't even care. I don't know if they if they felt like okay, well, hey, let's just roll the ball out. The Hawks they're not playing for much. They're only playing for AC. You know, we should be able to mm-hmm. beat them. We beat them. You know, we beat the brakes off of them in Atlanta. That type of you have those kind of games to B's point. The thing that has me scratching my head about the Pacers is that this is something that is occurring almost every other night. You know, I mean, we talked about last week, we talked about how they got up for Miami in that game. But, you know, you don't come out and get blown out at home by the Hawks, you know, by and losing by 32 points at halftime. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, they made a run, and they cut they cut the lead, I think, to like 16. But, I mean, they, that game was it was, it was out of, it was out of control by then. Um, Cam, man, what's, what's your take on it, man? What, what's wrong with the Pacers? Um, like FIFO, I, I I really do believe that they'll be fine come playoff time because everything resets back to zero, and you can key in and focus in on an opponent, you know, uh, one opponent round by round to get to the NBA championship, which is ultimately what they want to do. A second seed isn't that bad. You know, they they still feel confident. Yeah, it would be a, be a mental blow to them, and I think it could affect them. But I think that they are kind of re reevaluating and reassessing what they're playing for because Vogel came out today and he said, we're not worried about that. With four games left, I want to get these guys rested and and um and we'll just we'll just deal with what we have. I still think they have a a, a real good shot at reclaiming the number one seed because Miami has some tough, tough matchups on their schedule to close out the season. Um, anyway, back to the Pacers. What's wrong with the Pacers is, is, is the fact that they develop bad habits. Okay. And at the beginning of the season, they had the same habits that have finally managed to catch up with them. And it was a lot of the things that I was seeing early on when I questioned exactly who they were and how good they were. And because early on in the season, they managed to get away with those. B, you remember the shot that George Hill uh, hit to win a game or send it into OT. They were always down at halftime. They would come out and they would blitz people in the third quarter and shut people down and end up winning the game. They would be down by 22 points. They would be down by 16 points here or there, and they would always climb back and catch up into the end, catch up with teams and end up winning the game. Now, as the season progresses, because it is a very long season, that begins to wear you down, and it becomes a challenge over and over again to really get up and do this because halfway through the season, the role reverses. Now, all of a sudden, you're not off to just a hot start. You are an elite team, and teams start taking you more seriously. So they come out and they punch you every single time on the court. And for Indiana, that was something that they haven't really been accustomed to because they've always been chasing Miami. Now all of a sudden they were on the they were the number one seed in the East. A team started to come after them. 
keep in mind, Miami's been dealing with this since they put this team together. People have been coming at them since day mm-hmm. one. You know, so they're used to fighting every single game. But Indiana is new territory. And then you throw in the fact, like people said, they, Larry Bird wants to come in and tweak it and, and start to bring in players here and there. And um, and next thing you know, you throw off the chemistry of, of the Pacers. So, and then throw in the fact that Larry Bird, for whatever, some odd reason, decided to criticize the whole team when they were they were winning and had the number one seed. And he just... He just kind of went in on them, you know. Right, and, and, and he did. Yeah, and I was like, that was odd. So, so you look at that moment, and you it, you can almost correlate this this so-called well, it is a spiral downward, but you can almost take that and draw a line to his comment. So, there's something going on in the organization, you know, based on what you saw. I didn't see the game with the Hawks, but if they don't look like they're playing or caring then I don't know what's going on. But I can tell you this, it looked like Stevenson checked out. For the last two games, he hasn't attempted over 10 shots. So wow. now all of a sudden you have Hibbert saying, hey, you know, everybody's being selfish. All right, fine. I'll, okay, I'll show you. I won't be selfish. I won't take all these shots. So now right. they're not playing for each other. Bad habits, man. But they'll be all right. I'm, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. And then one thing, just the last point on, on that game, one thing I noticed too, man, boy, Hibbert uh, – I think he only played – He interesting stat line. He had 0.0 rebounds in nine minutes. Uh, someone asked Coach Fogel about it. He said he was trying to rest, which, which is BS. Because, I mean, you, you're not trying to rest nobody. Uh, well, <laughs> how much rest are you going to get in nine minutes of action? Um, but after that, man, Hibbert, he was – when they had team timeouts and stuff like that, he wasn't in the huddle. He wasn't in the huddle. Uh, right before the game ended, he walked off the court, which, I mean, guys walk off the court, but he left before the game. I mean, maybe five seconds before the game ended. Um, like, he just wanted to get the hell away from his teammates. That's what I could see. Just And that, was, that wasn't that was even something they pointed out. That's just something I saw on my own. So, I don't know. There, there's some strife there. Paul George has struggled. He's had um, some off-the-court issues. Uh, that may have something to do with it, it too. He, he says – you know, he doesn't have anything to do with, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with what they're doing. But, I mean, if your superstar is struggling, you're going to struggle. I mean, it, it it is what it is. If LeBron struggles, Miami's going to struggle. Um, if Durant struggles, OKC is going to struggle, and so forth and so on. So it's going to be interesting, man. The playoffs are right around the corner. Um, we'll see. We shall see. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You're rocking with the best. Very best, Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle, joined by my partners, B, Ken, and FIFO from Dead End Hip Hop. This is the place where sports opinions collide. We are here every Tuesday night from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tell a friend, tell a friend, check us out on the air again. Um, next question I have for you guys, since we're on the subject of NBA, um, I got to talking with one of my boys, and uh, we were talking about, like, all-time teams. And somehow, and he's a Laker fan, uh, and he mentioned as far as, like, whether or not he who, would he, who he would put on an all-time Laker team. And he said, that's a good question for your show. He said, you should ask people who you would put on the all-time starting five. So it's only going to be five for the L.A. Lakers. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. All-time starting five for the Lakers. Um... At point guard, 
I'm starting with Urban Magic Johnson. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, number two, my two guard, uh, it's gonna be Kobe. <laughs> I pause for a second. Everybody knows. I, I I don't like Kobe, but I I mean I'd be crazy not to put him on his team. Uh, he's gonna be my two. My three may surprise some people. I'm going with the logo, Jerry West. Uh, he was the only player to ever win a league MVP. I mean, excuse me, a Finals MVP and lose the finals. He's never won a ring, which I did not know. Um, oh, wow. I thought he won one with Chamberlain. Okay. I, I did too, but he wasn't on that team. Um, okay. My number, my, my fourth spot, Elgin Baylor, 11-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, 10-time first team. Um, and then my center, my number five, surprisingly, it's not going to be Shaq, man. It's going to be Kareem. 14 years, five championships, all-time leading scorer in the NBA. So that's my starting five. Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, and the captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, B, I'm going to throw it to you, man. Starting starting five for all-time Lakers starting five. Uh, Yeah, no-brainer at guard. Both guards, point guard and shooting guard. I got Magic and Kobe. Um, Okay. small Small forward, I got James Worthy. And yeah, that, that was go, tough. I'm, that was tough. It <laughs> was go, tough for me to leave I'm, big I'm, game James off. I'm gonna go huge. I'm gonna go big with my with my front court and go um and put uh Will at power forward and Kareem at center. <laughs> yes, Will that, did that, play for yeah. the Lakers. Yep, yep. So I mean, you know, it's his best years. I guess you know his you know better years. I guess you want to say. I don't know. if You can say really better, but you know, you know. Mm-hmm. With the Lakers, kind of like you know Shaq. Like you look Shaq, yeah, he played Orlando, he played Miami. But you look at Shaq, his his better years were at with with the Lakers. So, but yeah, I'm I'm going big. I'm going I'm going uh, Wilton Kareem as my power forward center. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, what about you, FIFO? All time starting five for the Lakers. Well, for me, Kobe's going to be the shortest player on our team. Kobe's there. Magic at the point. So Smush Parker didn't make your team. No, him. (laughs) Neither did Javari. But uh, at point guard, Magic, obviously. Two guard, obviously. It's Kobe. At the three man, I'm taking Worthy. And because B took two big men, I'm going to take two big men. At my four, I'm taking Kareem. At my five, I'm taking Shaq. That's hell. That's hell right there, man. Shaq and, and the captain. Woo! What about you, Ken? All-time starting five L.A. Lakers. Ken about to have some awkward-ass shit. Watch. <laughs> I got a feeling. I got a feeling. He's going to be like, give me Michael Cooper at the three. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can hear him doing that shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> give me 18 green. That's how I Nah, man, yeah, man, I got, I got love for Magic, so that's that's a no brainer, man. And and of course, you know, uh, naturally, Kobe will be in there. Um, yeah, man, I'm going with with, with Wilt at, at my five. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely a toss up. Um, but I, you know, between uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, James Worthy, you know, um, as, as my three, and for my four, man. Um, yeah, man, I, I think I'm going to go with Paul Gasol, man. I know it sounds crazy, but... <laughs> I told you. I told you. He was going to throw a monkey in that wrist. Oh, 
Hey, man, Paul, Paul could play, though, man. Paul. I, I, I didn't say he couldn't play. I, just, I knew he was going to throw, like, a quick little. But you're going to put Paul Gasol football. over Elgin Baylor over, uh, who who, just, who else we said? Uh, Kareem. Got Kareem. Kareem. Got Jackson, yeah, but I need I mean, a forward, though. I need a forward. Big game, James. He got, he got, over he got Sam James Perkins. <laughs> over Rick <laughs> Fox. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. I needed a four. I needed a, I needed okay. a power four, so, you know. I thought he was going to say Elgin Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Ken All right, so was who's, like, who's at your five, Ken? Oh, I had Will. I had Will. Yeah, he got okay, Will. okay, he got okay. Will. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, man, that, that that's uh, that's interesting, man, and, and it also goes to show you how deep and, and how great they were because it's, it's obviously some great players that we, that we left off. Um, oh, all yeah. of us are oh, young yeah. enough. We never saw, you know, I, I, I saw Kareem on the downside of his career. I just, yep. you know, I remember Same Sky here. Hook, yeah. um, which was unstoppable. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I know the Sky Hook probably added another five years to his career. Uh, because I mean that was just that was it was guaranteed money. He was already seven two, so a seven thanks, seven two or seven three. Thanks. Yeah. Kyle. So I mean, once he once he shot, which is surprising that you know with his knowledge and and I know he had a great touch around the basket, but uh, you know you kind of wonder why a guy like Shaq never developed a hook. Uh, Shaq probably could have played another five more years had he done so. But um, but yeah, man, hey, all time look great. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. It was interesting that you put Elgin Baylor because I remember, you know, talk, always talking to my dad. He was like, Elgin Baylor was like one of them first fours to really like play above the rim. Like, right. you know, you got, you got, you got, you know, you got the LeBron James, Dr. J, and and you know all those before the, the the big guards, you know, shooting guards, small fours. He was like one of them, the really first guys to like really play above the basket. You know, really like you know be like really athletic, like a really look at it as an athletic player. You know, in the league, so. It was it was interesting that you put that you named Elgin Baylor. Yeah, he he was a guy that you know obviously I didn't see growing up, but um, much like you, man, my my dad still to this day, and I'm surprised he I'm surprised he hadn't called in. Um, you know, he he talks to me ad nauseum about guys like Elgin Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his favorite players growing up was Oscar Robertson, and you know every, every it's interesting when we would get into these basketball debates. You know, he wouldn't ever mention Oscar Robertson. He never said he was better than Jordan, but every time I bring up Jordan, he talks about Oscar Robertson. He Robertson, said he was yep. just that nice. Um, he was so much bigger yep. than everybody else, but the guy who could shoot, rebound, he could do it all. He was the original big guard, if you will. Yep. Um, yeah, my dad, my dad said the same thing. <laughs> So yeah, so you know, old school cats who got a chance to see him, and he and he yep. still swears, you know, to this day that Will is probably one of the greatest athletes to ever play any sport. Um, and and obviously, I didn't see Will in in his prime or what have you. But um, but yeah, yep. that center position, man, is kind of hard because you know Shaq. Although he, I think Shaq was in L.A. for six years. Uh, it's kind of hard to put him up against huh? Kareem. It's kind of hard to put him up against Will. He was in eight years. Eight, okay, eight, okay, eight, I wasn't eight, sure. Yeah. Okay. He got okay. there. He got there in '96 and he left after '04. Okay, there it is. There it is. So conversely, since we're on the subject of the Lakers, um, greatest Laker of all time, FIFA. Who is the greatest Laker oh. in your opinion of all time? You can only pick one. To me, that's simple, man. It's the Magic, man. 
Okay. And, and okay. It's not, it's not point guard <laughs> bias. I just think that he had the biggest personality. He was the the reason why they were yeah. successful. Of course, you, yeah. you know, Kareem yeah. is unstoppable with the sky hook and everything. But come on, man. Like, Magic was having games of, like, 20 points, 20 assists. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and he was doing it from yeah. day one. And you know Terry type of <laughs> Yeah, and Terry and, pe- and people people forget because his career was really cut short how dominant Magic Johnson was yeah. as a point yeah. guard. Passing and he wasn't even rock. athletic. I don't have to score. Oh, no, that, that's like a great athletic. point, B. He, no, Magic Magic wasn't athletic. I mean, when you think about athletic, yeah. no, he wasn't athletic yeah. at all. Not like, not like he, that. He couldn't, even, he couldn't even jump five inches off the ground. I mean, but he was so talented, <laughs> you know. Seriously, he was. I mean, I, I agree with people. I, I, Magic, I think, I mean, who was the last player to, to to lead their team to a national championship as a senior, whatever, senior, sophomore, wherever he came out, and then going as your rookie, and lead the team to an NBA championship the next year after you just won the national championship in college. Like I, I still think about who was the last player to do that. I, I can't think of nobody. I think he's the last you know, player I think to do he's that. the only one. Yeah, like you. I mean, you know, normally if you come out, you know, come out your, you know, out of college, lead the team to a championship. You go to a, a, a NBA team. You, you're not the man, man. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna be a couple of years for you the man or whatever, whatever. But he led a team to a championship and then led a team. His rookie rookie year played all five positions in the championship games in the finals and led his team to a to a championship in the NBA. Like that that's crazy. And and what he did for the NBA, I mean, let's be honest, him and Bird pretty much like I, I you know, almost like saved the NBA in the eighties, you know, because I they don't did. you know, based on based on conversation with my dad, he was like, Yeah, and you know, seventies going into the eighties, the NBA was looking real bad. Look, you know, it was looking real bad. It was a bad look, you know, on you know, one of those worst-looking sports, you know, in, in American sports coming in, you know, going to the 80s. And Magic and Bird, they, like, revived it. And what Magic did, you know, his career at Lakers, I mean, you know, he got that statue. I mean, yeah, Magic is the great. I mean, he's the greatest Lakers. You, you got it. Just, just what he did for the – not just for the Lakers, but just for the NBA in general. And the way he the way he trans, the way he changed the position, the point guard position forever. Like, mm-hmm. who, who – in 1979, 1980, seeing a 6'9 point guard, which back then in the NBA, you 6'9, you was power forward center. Yeah, you that. power forward all day. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And this this dude was handling the rock. You got a 6'9 point guard running at you against a 6'1 point guard back in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. But, yeah, magic. He just, back he when just you can back dudes point down. Guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and, crazy, and you know what, man? man to, to even add more to the Magic campaign, just think about his vision. I don't think I've ever seen – I think the closest person I've watched to have Magic's vision was Jason Kidd in his prime. But I don't think – those two are the two best passers I've probably ever seen with my own two eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kid, Kid had crazy vision. I mean, his vision was – I mean, he, he – well, you, you guys know from playing this position – you know, a lot of it is, you know, eye contact, a lot of it's skill, but a lot of it's anticipation. You know, knowing where a guy, you know, when you hear announcers talk about, I like listening to Hubie Brown when he talks about guys in their sweet spots on the court. Knowing where each guy likes to catch the ball, yeah. where they like to operate from, whether it's the elbow, yeah. the block, or wherever, uh, whether or not yeah. they need to face up or, or, on the, or on the go. You know, and I think Magic was, Magic, I think I mean, Magic was one of the few people that 
like we could go play a pick, I could go play a pickup game with Magic, and maybe after one or two times down the court, he'll he'll know where I want the ball at. You know what I'm saying? Like he was just that. And I don't, I don't think in the '80s, I don't think people gave him a, enough credit for being as cerebral as he was because it mm-hmm. it takes a lot to play the position. It's a thinking. That's position. why his nickname is Magic. Why you think? I mean, that's why. His nickname was exactly. Magic Johnson because he was he was so surgical out there when it came to passing the rock and, and getting his teammates the ball at the right time. I mean, I bet you, I bet you, I bet you have a conversation with James Webb. He's probably like, "Oh hell yeah, I love the hell out of Magic." Like, <laughs> you know, I don't even have to like you know do like a little hand signal or nothing. Man, I just be running down the court and then, you know the ball is right in front of my chest. Boom. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the, the his nickname is Magic for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. What, what about you, Ken? Uh, all-time favorite Laker. I mean, excuse me. Uh, who's the greatest Laker of all time? Man, you guys make me real proud right now, man. Because I've I've always loved Magic, man. The ability to play all five positions, the things he did his rookie year. You know, five-time NBA champion. You know, um, and just everything else you you guys said. I don't I don't even even need to add on much more <laughs> to that, but. You know, people love playing with him, you know, and I think that that was the big thing. Like, there wasn't much, if any, strife when it came to playing with Magic Johnson, you know, that that I've heard of. Um, And maybe, you know, the times were different then. We didn't have the Internet. So, um, but, yeah, man, Magic all day, man. Yeah, yeah, Magic all day. I'm going to just ride out with that, man. I I don't think anybody else, you know, really I think could, could compare or come close, you know, to the point where they even tried to make LeBron into Magic Johnson. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. He came in. You know, they wanted him to play point, uh, point, point guard. Yep. His first game against Sacramento, he was the point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It, it, yeah. yeah. So it, it, I got to I got to complete it, man. It, it's definitely Magic, man. I mean, Kobe. Kobe has done a lot, and, and there's no it's no knock on Kobe. It's no. I don't think you can take anything away from his dominance. Uh, I'll be the first to admit I don't particularly care for Kobe personally, but I respect the hell out of his game. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's probably, in my opinion, and this may not be a popular opinion, but in my opinion, he is the closest thing that we have seen since Jordan. Um, That's not saying he's Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, get, I, get you, I get what you're saying. I get where you're going. I mean, I agree. And the, and the book is still out on LeBron. And, and even with even if LeBron is able to win as many titles, you know, his game isn't the same as far. I mean, his game obviously is more power. He's more about his vision and, and making teammates better. But I don't think we've seen the dominance on the offensive and defensive end uh, since Jordan in Kobe. And so I give Kobe all the props uh, from that aspect. Um, he he. Kobe's one. Kobe's two. You know, but uh, Magic, like like you guys mentioned, man. I remember when I first started watching the NBA in the early '80s. The NBA was on tape delay. I mean, literally, it was on tape delay. Like just as, and I remember, like we got cable in like 1982, and you would watch a game, but you already knew the score. Like you would watch a game on Sunday afternoon, but excuse me, Sunday night, but the game had already happened. Sunday afternoon, so if you were able to get the news, if you saw, like, the local news or something, like, you already knew who won, but you just watched the game anyway. And then once, you know, they moved it to, you know, the, the, the turn of broadcasting or what have you like that, yeah, the games were on tape delay. So when Magic and Bird came into the league and then that subsequently Isaiah and Barkley and Ewing and Jordan, 
those guys kept but Magic and Bird carried the league um, for so long. And, and not only that, man, I mean, just what he did, not what he did for the game, but he always represented the Lakers. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he transcended the game. He transcended the game, and like FIFA said, unfortunately, he didn't play as long as he could have played. And, you know, you know, with his, you know, HIV or what have you, but, you know, and who's to say that he would not have won another title at some point, I even though it would have been hard, because right at that time that he left, Jordan was going into his own, and yeah. I don't know if anybody would have yeah. beat Mike, um, you know, in, in those years subsequently after they beat the Lakers for Mike's first title in Chicago. So, but yeah, all-time Lakers, man, I got to give it, I got to give it to uh, Got to give it to Magic, man. Got to give it to Magic. I'm waiting. On, we tweeted it out. Um, I'm, waiting, <laughs> I'm waiting on somebody to say, oh, my man Mike on uh, Facebook. He said, he said Kobe. Um, but every it looks like everybody else who's tweeted it back back to us has said uh, Magic. So um, keep the, yeah, keep the no comments deal. coming. I'm no sorry, what you say? The phone number to call in, 646-478. Zero three five six again six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You're locked in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host Twelve Kyle, joined by my partners B, Ken, and FIFO. Uh, hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, next question I got. I actually got this question from watching one of the telecasts, one of the pregame shows, which I thought. The NCAA, that was another thing, too, that I loved about watching the tournament. Um, getting the TNT set, guys. I mean, I know some people don't like Barkley. Some people don't like Kenny Smith. I love Barkley. I love Kenny Smith. I think I'm not really a I, – I like I, – I love Clark Kellogg, but I like Clark Kellogg doing um, the games with Jim Nance as opposed to him being in the studio. But I think it worked out. Uh, with Greg Anthony, Nance, and uh, Steve Kerr calling the game last night. Um, but uh, one of the things they talked about was winning and losing. And it, it actually made me think a little bit. And the question I wanted to throw out to you guys, we've all, we all played sports um, growing up. During your athletic career, what do you remember most, the wins or the losses and why? Ken, I'll start with you. What what sticks out when you think about your time playing sports? Do you remember winning more? Or do you remember losing more? And which you know which one you know kind of sticks with you the most? Um, for me, um, I would say I'm a very 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 competitive person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like those those moments where the games are really really close and somebody has to make a play and. And, you know, so, and I always feel like, you know, at some point on some level, somehow, some way, I would be one of the guys to make a play. And when I played back in the day in my younger days, you know, oftentimes, you know, you got to be able to step up. So I like those moments the most because, you know, if you contribute to that and you get those wins, you know, they feel good when you actually contribute to it and you, you hit a game, win a shot, or you make a block or whatever. You know, those moments you relish in, and because you like those moments so much, you know, you you just can't stand losing um, when you do lose. I mean, I, I look, I, I hate losing just like the, the Nets, man. I probably hate losing more than anybody on this show. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, man, I, I think just because winning games depend, 
kind of create creates moments, and um and you know those are kind of the moments that that I remember, you know, growing up playing playing sports for me. No doubt, no doubt. What, what about you, uh, FIFO? Uh, what sticks with you, man? The wins or the losses? You know, honestly, um, I have memories of both. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, just like for anybody, the losses sting, and you know, the 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 wins, they're you know, overjoyous. So for me, it's both. For me, honestly, it was you know a lot of experience. Um, I remember moments. The moments are the ones I cherish, like certain little passes that I make and. You know, just like like moments more so than just the wins and the losses uh, for mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, to, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think I just had a lot of a lot of dope moments as a basketball player to me, and that's the thing that I remember mostly about my career. Football. I was never really a football player, man. I was just an athletic dude that can throw. So mm-hmm. you know, I just play football because my people play football. But in terms of basketball, man, I, I have. You know, my memory is not good for a lot of things, but when it comes to, like, sports and things that I, that I like, my own personal memories, I have, like, a really good memory. Like, I, I could tell you passes and moves and ankle breakers that I've done to people, you know, <laughs> years ago. Just, just because it's like, it's like my own little personal YouTube highlight reel in my head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's what I remember most. What about you, B? Uh Athletic in your athletic career, you know what what sticks out to you—the wins or the losses? Uh, how, how does that kind of affect you? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with losses. You know, the only reason okay. why I say losses because a lot of teams that we probably lost to, or we play—it was teams that we play on a on a year-to-year basis, on a regular basis, or even you know two or three times a season. So for me, whenever we, whenever you know we had like a hurtful loss, it was so. Sweet when we when we played them and then we pop their ass the second you know the second time or you know we get that suit revenge or we you know we go back to the drawing board and we come back uh, even if it's not that team that we lost to it even if it's just the next team it's like okay we lost where we lose to this next team we about to play I feel sorry for them because we about to pop the shit out their ass or whatever whatever so mm-hmm. that's the losses is what I remember the most because it's just the sweet revenge and how much angrier we played. <laughs> You know, the next game or the next time we played that specific team, rather it's you know when I played basketball and baseball, I played baseball. Too. Right, I was shortstop. But um, yeah, it was just when you get that loss, you know, you are angry, you mad, you like I can't wait to see them again. It's like you you be you you my adrenaline used to be up even after a loss. I'd be like, come on, let's play again. Like let's bring this back <laughs> and play again. Like I don't want to wait to Friday or Thursday or next Thursday until we play all again. Like I want to play right now. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had I had that. I had that, you know, oh, are we going to keep playing, you know, for eight hours until I beat you? Even if you beat me the next game, I'm going to play you again until you beat me, you know, until I finally beat you. So it was, it's just that sweet that sweet revenge feeling I love having, you know, after after losing. And then, you know, me and my team, we just be like, man, I can't wait to play them again. Or I can't wait to play our next opponent. They're in trouble. And, you know, our coaches get us so amped up after a loss. It's just like after a loss, it just seems like, the whole world changed after we lost the game, <laughs> man. Like, oh, yeah, yeah we're in man. trouble. So that's what I remember the most. It's like, you know, the emotion and the, and the adrenaline we had after a loss and to take it out on the next opponent or the same team we lost to and just and, and whoop their ass. That that was just such a great feeling. I loved it. You know what, man? It, it, it's, it's a little bit of both for me. And that 
the reason, like I said, I, I, I thought about this question when they threw it out there, and it was interesting just listening to Barkley talk about even even Kenny Smith, who's won. He didn't win any. He didn't win a national championship at North Carolina, but he won obviously in the NBA. Uh, Clark Kellogg had a you know storied career in, in, in college, and he played in the NBA as well. You know, it was real chronicled as far as what Barkley didn't win. You know, but having gotten to the uh, finals, only be beaten by Jordan in '93. Um, for me, man, it was a little bit. It's a little bit of both. It just depends. Like, just on a personal note, like my my, my junior year in, in college, uh, we, you know, I, I, I played. I played in every game, but I didn't start. And we won the Black College National Championship at South Carolina State, and, and I'm very proud of that. But like, and those so those wins and and having contributed to those wins, it meant a lot. My senior year, I came back and I started. And we finished six and four. And I tell you, like, I remember every loss. Like, I could relive it. Like, I remember plays. I remember everything. I remember dropping a pass. I remember, you know, DBs getting interceptions and me not even trying to tackle them because I was pissed off. <laughs> you know, so it's it's the losses even to this day kind of sting because and 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 for anybody listening, you know, it's it's always tough when you lose to a team that you think you're better than. You know, that makes it that much tougher when you lose to a team that you think you're better or, or you yes. lose to a team that you yeah. know that you shouldn't have lost to. So, um, you know, the the losses kind of stick with me a little. They they sting a little bit. It just depends on the year. High school was much different. I, I enjoyed the wins. The loss, we didn't lose that much, so it was, uh, you know, it was all good. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it just depends. Some people, you know, the losses bother them. But much like Ken, I, I'm competitive. So I hate to lose at anything, you know, at cards, video games. It don't matter. So, you know, I definitely don't want to lose anyway. Phone number to call in six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Right now we got a call on the line. Let's not keep them waiting. Caller, caller from area code nine one four. Calling you on the air. What's your name? Where you calling from? What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Corey from Brooklyn, New York. Now we got Corey. What's going on, man? Kyle, what's going on? How y'all doing? Good, man. What's good, man? What's up? That's good. I had a I had a really good question. Um, this is for everybody too. What is like the best game you guys like ever played, and we're like so happy that you won that game. Oh, really? Question. Um, sure. I'll take this one. Um, in high school, um, after my freshman uh, year, so the summer going into my sophomore year, we played in this uh, tournament up in St. Petersburg, Florida. And that was the only championship game I ever played in and the only championship game I ever won. And um, the very first play of the game, I, I wore my low-top Iverson because they had the best grip out of all the shoes I brought with me. <laughs> and the first play of the game, right after tip-off, our guy, he kind of, like, he tipped it. I went for the ball. He kind of, like, landed on me, and I twisted my ankle very first play of the game, and my coach was pissed. So I had to go get my ankle wrapped, came back. Uh, I scored... 13 points. I think I had like 11 assists, a couple steals. I was MVP and we won championship. So that was was a blessing right there. (laughs) Yeah, man. It was it was it was the highlight of my very short basketball career. So cool though. Okay, okay, that's what's up, Vifo. I I like that. What what about you, Ken? Um, trying to think because yeah, I like you. I didn't I didn't start when I played uh, uh, basketball in, in high school, so I don't have um, many moments like that to uh, to, to draw. So I just think about a lot of games, um, you know, as, as a teenager, man, just playing on the court. 
um, just out on the street, man. And and there was a, just one day, man, like I said before, where you have those moments where you just end up making those 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 key plays, whether it's a, it's a big shot or a game-winning shot. And that just seemed to be that night, man, just being that day, just being in the right moments, uh, winning like two or three games that way. So, um, so yeah, man, I think I could think back back to that. I think it was the game was tied, and and um, and you know, it kept going back and forth because and you had to win by you know double deuce or whatever, and um, and we were up by one, and then they had the ball, and then you know they shot the ball, and then you know. I could jump much higher and, and better back then, so I managed to get the get the tip in and put it back in and win the game. And then there were a couple of other games where there was some key key blocks. And still, like I said before, I think the thing is, man, like when it comes to those moments, you know, I feel like I got to be the one that's going to step up and make the play. And um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that just came from just those moments, man, and being being in those right moments and making those plays, man. You get a lot of confidence for that. And um and you know and you like to play with people like that too because uh, hey, there's nothing worse than playing with somebody that's not as competitive and don't have the heart like you do. Yeah. So um so yeah that's that's on the basketball court. I think playing football, uh you know a couple of interceptions or tip balls here and there. So so yeah man, th- those are kind of like the moments, some highlights from my my uh, career as a youngin. What about you, B? Uh, I got two of them actually. One, I remember uh, JV semifinal game. Um, we was down by we was down by twenty eight points at halftime. Um, I was I was one for eight in the first half from behind the arc, and in the second half we came back and won. And I hit the we came back and I hit the, I hit the three pointer that got us in overtime, and then we we won in overtime semifinal game, but we lost. In a championship game in the double overtime, but that semifinal game, I remember that like it was crazy because we were so amped. Like going into halftime, we was just like, you know, like what the hell is going on? Why are we losing to our rivals? And we just happened to play our rival, which was crazy in the semifinal. So, you know, we was losing to them by twenty, you know, plus twenty points. We were like, what is going on? So we came back and won that one. That was a sweet victory. And then uh, my baseball game, I was five for five, and I had uh, two home runs, a double, and an RBI. Ball. Okay. Okay, B. Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a dancing question, Corey. I, I had to think about it, man. Um, Probably the best game I ever played was uh, my senior year in, in high school um, at receiver. Uh, we were playing against one of our um, rivals, and um, the week leading up to the game, uh, my my coach he my coach was really he was he was a great motivator, and um, this kid that was supposed to be playing corner uh, the op- opposite of me his name was Wesley something but uh, my coach just said oh you you you're not gonna do anything this Wesley kid is gonna shut you down so he kept telling me all week long about how this kid was gonna lock me down and he was like we can't he's like Dallin we can't throw you the ball because you you're not gonna get any catches against this guy this guy's gonna have you locked up he runs a four two. You're not gonna do. It. I mean, so so by the time the game started, I'm I'm pissed. I'm like, man, my coach don't even believe in me. And so maybe like the third or fourth play of the game, we ran up. We um had this play where I run out and up, and um, I caught the ball. And to this day, I still don't know how I caught it because I was like on the sideline and I, I actually trapped the ball on my helmet and caught it. And so the kid, I caught it over this kid. So he's he's on the ground. I get up and I throw the ball in his face. And wow. I've never done anything like that to disrespect because my my, my my dad always told me you, you never disrespect your opponent. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, so my coach pulled me out of the side. He's like, he's yelling at me, what the hell did you do that for? Now, I didn't get a flag for it or anything like that. And I said, well, you shouldn't have told him, you shouldn't have told me that he was going to shut me down. I told you I wasn't going to get shut down. And so it was like me and him were, and I've never argued at any coach. And so we were kind of arguing back and forth. And um, so he pulled me out of the game for a couple of plays. And um, I finished that game with uh, five catches for like 165 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. Um, yeah, that was the best game. And I, I've never played mad before, but I was mad the whole game. And, I, and looking back on it now, I know he was trying to motivate me. But um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was my uh, my Al Bundy moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for all of that. I definitely respect all of that, and I appreciate everything you guys do. I'm 100% fan to the sports, to that and hip hop, and I'll continue on doing that. You guys keep succeeding and growing. Much respect. No doubt. Appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks for calling in, right? Corey. Appreciate it, brother. You guys have a good one. You too. Phone number, Corey, call 646-478-0356. Man, he took me back on that one, man. I forgot about that. Um, (laughs) 646-478-0356. Let's jump to baseball real quick. Um, We had a situation. There was a situation a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, um, Major League Baseball player Daniel Murphy, uh, if you're not familiar with the story, Daniel Murphy plays for the New York Mets. Daniel Murphy and his wife were expecting their first child. Um, his wife was scheduled for a C-section. So if you, for those of you listening who have never had children before, they actually, this is when you actually go to the hospital and they take the baby from you as opposed to you just going into labor. So they had the C-section scheduled, but uh, Daniel Murphy decided to do something that most men do, or a lot of men do. Uh, he took paternity leave. From his team, which in this country you are granted, most companies will grant you up, I think, up to like two weeks in paternity leave. Uh, you can thank Bill Clinton for that. Um, and so a lot of people in the media, particularly, and he he, he received a lot of criticism from um, New York uh, uh, personality Boomer Esiason and Mike Francesa. They're really big on New York radio in the, in the mornings and stuff. Um a lot of criticism for taking a paternity leave and missing, I think he missed two or three games uh, for the New York Mets, but this is his wife and their first child, and she's having a C-section and surgery, okay? Um, so the question I have for you guys is, uh, you know, did you, did, what do you think about the criticism? I'll start with you first, B. What do you think about the criticism that he took for taking a paternity leave? Well, I thought it was kind of stupid. I mean, like you said, it's his first child. He wanted he wanted to experience that for you know and be with his child, you know, during the time when his his wife is in in need. You know what I'm saying? I guess he just want to. If this is a first child, I guess he just want to be there for. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a father being a you know a father slash husband being a good father and a husband to his wife and want to be there for for his new his new family. I don't think I don't see nothing wrong with that. I don't know why they was glad for that. No doubt, no doubt. What, what about you, Ken? You, you, you're having a, your wife's having a C-section, uh, your first child, uh, but people got beef with you. <laughs> What's your take on it? I told them they can all kiss my ass. Um, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't care if it's the first child, the second child, or the ninth child. These are moments that would never come back. Mm-hmm. So you have to take those moments. Your Baseball career, the game, this 
freaking season is only for 162 games, and on top of that, it's the beginning of the year anyway. So it's not like, yeah, those games count, but it's not like they're critical games that you're missing. But at the end of the day, man, the fact of the matter is this. Family, family always comes first. I don't care who who anybody is out there, or who I mean, who you are, what organization you work for, et cetera, et cetera, man. When it comes to the birth of a child, it, I just think it's important to be there for for as long as you can, man, and, and you know, take those days, man, and and just yeah. tell everybody they can just you know kiss your ass, man, because you know this is. This is your family. This is your child. This is not theirs. And I think they're just being, you know what? And man, people are talking about him, and I guess we're being being selfish. I think they're being selfish because mm-hmm. you want him to walk away from his family to come play a game, a freaking game. How about you send the guy and his family, you know, some roses okay. or send him some more roses or something? Quit being well, selfish, man. That's, card or yeah, yeah. Quit being disrespectful and selfish, man. Let let. Let let that man do what he needs to do to to be there for his family. So nah, man, it, it sh- wouldn't have been me. I would have came back. They would have fired me. I would have came back and cussed them all out. <laughs> what about you, FIFA? What's your take on it, man? Paternity leave and people got beef with you. What's up with that? I feel a hundred percent like Ken, you know, and and I don't understand what this notion is. Like when you have time or something is not mandated. You know, for you to be there. If 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 in baseball, my maternity leave is up to five games, and I take five games. What's the problem? You guys shouldn't have made it five games. We're in the collective bargaining agreement. We shouldn't have made it five games. If I can't take five games without somebody having a problem, just like in football with OTAs, it's it's optional. It's not mandatory, but people get flack. I don't understand it. And like Ken, they can all kiss my ass too, man, because that's some bullshit. And, and and like Ken as well, it doesn't matter if it's your first first child or your 20th. It doesn't matter. It's your family, and it's written into the rules. So if that's what, like that's what's allowed to you. Now, if that's what you want to take, if that's what you feel you need to take, then take it. Oh, no doubt. I I think, like I said, it's it's built in. Um, most most employees have it, uh, and you know, and you won't. And, and your your employer probably has it. All of our employers probably have it. You don't know it until you know your old lady gets knocked up. <laughs> so you know, and and to be honest, I didn't know it at the the first time I took paternity leave when my wife had our son. I was like. Oh, I could take you got they're gonna pay me to be at home at the and you know if you if you ever have and trust me I have kids I have my wife and I we have three sons and a daughter so you know we have a full family in this house so having gone through that process I needed to take a week off and and trust me it wasn't a week off just chilling and um, you know I got to give Murphy credit for handling it as well as he did I was a little surprised by Boomer Esiason, and a guy whose son who suffers from uh, some type of, um, I can't remember the name of the, the disease, but, I mean, Boomer Esiason's a family man, um, and he was in the forefront as far as the criticism. Um, and like you said, at the end of the day, man, all you have is family. I remember, and I'm going to take you guys back, uh, this was the, and, and I know it's a different circumstance, but remember a few, this was maybe about 10 years ago or so, uh, when Vince Carter was with Toronto, uh, they were playing against Philadelphia, and it was game seven. And the question was, uh, 
Vince Carter was graduating from North Carolina, and they were playing Game 7 later on that night in Philadelphia, and Vince Carter decided to go to his graduation. And people were all up in arms. Vince Carter, he's not being a – I mean, like, like he re, he wasn't going to miss the game. He was just going to miss the team shoot around that morning, but he was going to get on a private jet, fly back to Philadelphia from Chapel Hill, and still make it in time for the game and, and the whole nine. And people were so upset with Vince Carter for – you know, leaving his team. I'm like, you only get one chance to graduate, you know, from college, from, uh, you know, undergrad. Uh, you know, some Most people want to have that experience. If, if I went through four or five years of school, I want to walk. My mama want to see me walk across that stage. <laughs> so, and the same goes for, you know, having a child. I mean, you, you can't ever get that back. And for a guy like Murphy, you know, yeah, he's with the Mets now, but, you know, he's not always going to be a baseball player, but he's always going to remember that day that he was there in the delivery room. He's going to remember, remember that first night that he's home with his wife and, you know, they bring the baby home. He's going to have all of that stuff in his memory banks. And, um, you know, that that's what's going to last and, and, and be beneficial to him. You know, everything outside of that is, is just secondary. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646 Zero three five six. Want to jump to boxing real quick, man? Um, I know I didn't. I forgot to send this to you guys. Just a quick question. Um, we got Bradley and Pacquiao fighting this weekend um, for the second time. Uh, it's going to be a showdown. It's highly billed. Uh, Pay per view is going to be all over it. Timothy Bradley um, and Manny Pacquiao, of course, fought in uh, two thousand twelve. Um, and a lot has happened since then, obviously, Pacquiao. And, and the Pacquiao versus uh, <laughs> Mayweather fight, with that, that's probably never going to happen. Um, I'll start with you first, B, because I know you're, you're a huge uh, boxing fan. Um, who, who do you like in this fight, man? Uh, man, for some reason, man, I, I've never really been that sold on Tim, Timothy Bradley that much. Okay. I mean, clearly... Pacquiao won that first fight. I mean, right? He landed him, you know, landed more power punches. The percentage, the percentage was higher. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, even when I was watching the fight, I'm like, I, I kept saying, ooh, ooh, you know, like every time Bradley was getting tagged up, I'm like, dude. And so, you know, when the decision, yeah, I was shocked, just like everybody else. Like, wait a minute, Pacquiao clearly won that fight. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, as much, you know, as much as Bradley seemed like he's focused in this, you know, so-called fight. And he want to make a statement. I, I think Pacquiao is going to go out and make a statement this fight for some reason. I just got a feeling. I, I mean, I ain't saying he's going to knock him out or like that, but I got a feeling Pacquiao is going to win convincingly. Uh, you know, hopefully he, he won't have the same rest looking at this fight that they were looking at the first fight. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really can't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just got. I got. I just never really been sold on Bradley. I mean, I seen Bradley. I seen Bradley fight plenty of times, and it just. Some about his his boxing stance to me is is really sloppy. I don't, he just mm-hmm. he seems kind of sloppy. I can see I can see him going against like a top notch def- defensive counterpuncher fighter. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he'd get tagged all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Like like if he was to fight someone like Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather would have a field day with Tim Bradley. I mean, right, a field right, day. right. It'd be it'd be like Marquez and, and and Mayweather fight if he was to fight Bradley. But one thing I can't give Bradley though, Bradley do got a hell of a chance. He yeah, got he does. a hell of a he does. Yeah, he take he, a punch. He got a hell. He takes some punches, and he will keep coming punching at you as he's getting punched. So you know that's one thing I, I am impressed with Bradley. But just as far as his boxing skills as a whole, I, I'm not really. 
you know, I'm not really impressed with Bradley that much. I mean, there's some fights where I say, okay, that was a good, you know, he 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 he, he fought it out, he rugged it out, but for the most part, man, I can see him. I wouldn't be surprised if Pacquiao, you know, come in this fight like, look, I'm about to really make a statement. I'm gonna try to knock you out or whatever, whatever. And he just clearly whooped his ass this fight. I, I got a feeling Pacquiao will come up the, the winner this time, this time around. I'm I'm hoping it's a good fight, man. I mean, no, I, of course, I'm not. I'm not. I'll be first to admit, I'm not ordering this fight. <laughs> no, no. I'm, so I'm, somebody got to fight. Holla, your boy. But uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a good fight. Um, you know, like you said, the first fight was a travesty, man. I think anybody in any kind of boxing circles will will admit to that. Um, you know, call me crazy, but there's still a part of me that wants to see Pacquiao Mayweather. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't even know if people want to see it. Excuse me, if if they want to see it at this point. Um, but I think that's the only thing that would draw me to a TV screen where I'm like, okay, I gotta see this fight. Um, let's jump back to the phone lines. We got, matter of fact, we got some folk on the line. Uh, four four three calling you on the air. Which name were you calling from? Hey yo, what's up, Dead End Crew? It's Charles Ramey calling from uh, Bmore. Charles, what's going oh, on, what's man? Up? What's up? For yeah, those of you listening, yeah. Charles actually writes for Dead End, for the for the website Dead End Hip Hop. Thanks for calling in, man. Hey, no doubt, and you know, had to call in, you know, show you know, show support to the crew. Definitely, yeah, definitely. No what you got for us tonight, man? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment on the uh, <clears throat> the upcoming fight. Okay. Like uh. Hello? Man, yeah, I, yeah. Charles, what's your comment, man? Uh, uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been waiting for this fight more than I'm able to fight, honestly. Okay. So you think this is going to be a great fight? Oh, hell yeah, because, you know, both fighters, they they got a lot on the line. Okay. Who do, who do, who do you like in this fight, and why? <laughs> Straight up. Pacquiao, you know, I'll admit now he won the first fight, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of. Yeah, I think everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, everybody know that. Yeah, but I like Bradley too, though. Yeah, I think. So I you like Bradley to win this weekend? Yeah, I remember his no, name I want, on Twitter I, that he I was going for Bradley. Oh, you okay? Okay, now he won Pacquiao. Okay, all right. Yeah. I mean, all all going to do. Was, at first, I was going for Bradley, but. You know, I watched. I the, I watched you. the replay earlier, but uh-huh. Pacquiao won that fight. Yeah, yeah, he won it clearly. Yeah, it, it's definitely yeah, going. I uh, think it's going to be a good fight. I, so let me, let me ask you this, Charles. I know you're a big you're a big fight fan. Do you think? And you you mentioned it before, and I and I just talked about it too. Do you think that we'll ever get Pacquiao versus Mayweather, or do you think people even want to see that fight happen? I think it's possible that the fight will happen, but that's only if, you know, both camps can stop being petty, you know. Mayweather wants Pacquiao to take the drug test. Pacquiao right. wants to do the drug test, and then there's the issue with the money and all that. So they just got to, you know, give the fans what they want. Otherwise, I, you know, I'll give that fight one more year. If it doesn't happen in the next year, just, you know. Yeah, because I think Mayweather said he's 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 uh, he, he's kind of, there's rumors is, is that, September of next year, he's shutting it down. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure where he is on his Showtime fight deals, but hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah, they can squeeze it year. in, man. Hopefully they can squeeze yeah, it yeah. in. Like I said, it, 
and get past, get beyond the, the, the BS from both camps. Um, you, you got anything else for us tonight, Charles? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I just want to give a, a shout-out to the Dead End Movement. You know, you guys, uh, <clears throat> you guys did a lot of fans and appreciate what y'all do. That's the, the sports. Appreciate you, man. And, you know, I'm going to keep contributing articles whenever I can. So, <laughs> keep doing that work. No and doubt, food, no man, doubt. Appreciate you. Yeah, definitely, right. definitely. Keep the articles coming, man. We definitely appreciate it. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Y'all be easy. All right. All right, you all too, right. bro. Peace. Phone number Charles calls, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You are hey, locked hey, in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. This is Dead End Sports, joined by my partners in crime. B, FIFO, and Ken. You know from Dead End Hip Hop. Hey, but these dudes know sports. We all know sports. Man, pass the word. Tell a friend. Tell your cousin. Tell your sister. Tell your mama. Everybody. <laughs> Dead End Sports from hey, 9 Tom. to 11. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m., 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, every week. Um, hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what? Before we, you know, I'm just touch on boxing there. I think Mayweather is in a lose-lose situation with this Pacquiao fight. Because this is what okay, I was so? think. Because, okay, say he fights Pacquiao next year and he whoop him up. All, they, mm-hmm. all the critics going to say is, oh, well, he waited to when Pacquiao was out of his prime when Pacquiao got older <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, last time I checked, last time I checked, isn't Mayweather older than Pacquiao? Um, is, he, is he older than him? Quite, so, I, mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, man Pacquiao's probably like, like 45, man. No, Pacquiao, Pacquiao is in his mid thirties. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm about to say like they, they, all, all, all gonna happen. May, he, Mayweather gonna fight Pacquiao. Mayweather gonna whoop him up, and they gonna say, "Oh, well, he didn't fight Mayweather like he should have four or five years ago when you know when Mayweather was. I mean, when Pacquiao was just you know running through everybody and all that little stuff. It, it's a lose lose situation. If, if if you know if he lose to him, they gonna be like, "Ah, we knew it." But if he whoop him up, they gonna say, "Oh, well, he waited this late to fight him." Why he waits to, you know, it's, I think at this point it's a lose-lose situation for Mayweather, I think. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they say they say Mayweather's scared for not wanting to fight him, but watch, if he ends up fighting him and whoop his butt, they're going to say, oh, well, he waited to when Pacquiao was past his prime. That's all they're going to say. That's, right. that's what I think. That's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting that right now. You heard it first. Okay, okay. Yeah, B is on top of the fight game, man. If y'all if y'all got any questions about boxing, hey, man, this, this cat definitely knows it in and out. Definitely hit us up, 646-478-0356. We've got about 20 minutes left in the show, so give us a call. I um, want to touch on some breaking news before we uh, move on. Um, in women's basketball, uh, UConn has defeated Notre Dame 79-58 to uh, in the first title game in women's basketball history of two unbeaten teams. Uh, UConn went 40-0, and so, man, the championships are right there on the campus in Stores, Connecticut, man. The men and the wow. women, I think for the second time in third, I think the last two thousand four time, last time exactly two thousand four, yeah, last time two thousand four. They did it, the men and the women. So the men and the women do it again in Stores, Connecticut, man. The party is going to be off the chain <laughs> if, if they oh, haven't yeah. stopped partying from last night. They're definitely oh, partying yeah. even more, man. So shout out to the. Uh, uh, UConn women. Somebody asked me if I was gonna watch the game. I'm not. I'm. I'll be the first man. I'm not a fan of women's basketball, but I will give them props. I mean, they they play the game really nice. It's just 
I don't know, man. I I don't want to sound sexist. It's just hard for me to watch women's basketball. <laughs> it's just hard. Oh yeah, and some of them oh, yeah, are hard Kyle. or not. I ain't gonna lie. Maybe I oh, shouldn't yeah, say Kyle, it. I just want to throw this out there to you, Kyle. Uh, Pistons beat the Hawks, and I'm one hundred two ninety. I mean, I, I I got the update, B. I didn't I, I didn't need you. Thanks for thanks for telling me that, but you know, there was no need for me to broadcast that. On, no need for me to broadcast that on the air, but I'm glad that you did anyway. <laughs> and, and 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 the Nets beat Miami, beating them four four times to zero in the regular season. Do y'all make Do y'all make anything of that, FIFO? No, FIFO and Ken. Do y'all make anything of that? No. No, there's nothing made of that. The first year Miami was put together, Chicago beat them three or four times regular season. They got, they lost in five or six. I don't, th- I don't think there's anything. Um, um, you, you know, look, look. I think Brooklyn at 100% would have been a major threat to Miami. Um, I think that Brooklyn, it's going to be a nice series if they play against each other. But I, man, come on, man, they, they, they not beat Miami. Let's be honest. I stand by what I said at the beginning of the season that the Brooklyn Nets are the the one of the only teams that I fear uh can beat the net uh the Heat. You know, they when I looked at that roster and I looked at the the veterans that they have that that have done it that get up to play them, um do I make much of this 4-0 sweep? Eh, I'm kind of like FIFO, you know, I I, I don't because of the history that we've seen in the past when Chicago did it, um, and and mainly because three of those games could have went either way. You know, mm-hmm. Brooklyn won two by one by one point, and the other one they won they went into double OT. I haven't looked at the score on this one, but when I looked at it, they were up sixty one sixty, and they're not playing without Wade. And you know, so no, nah, I, I I think the Nets could beat them in a series, though. I will say that, and I will say that. Um, you don't want to play them in the playoffs, so you know I, I think they could cause some some problems for the Heat or the Pacers. That number one seed, man, that that number one seed is is, is tough, man. You're gonna to have to go through some, through some squads to get to the ECF. Well, but you know, I don't in, make in a seven game series, I think Brooklyn could. I mean, I think Brooklyn could probably push the Heat to six. I, I couldn't see them pushing them to seven. Uh, the Pacers are the team that I'm worried about because uh, I just. What I'm seeing is just, and we touched on it earlier, man. I'm just not, I, I don't know, man. I, it, they, they aren't as much a lock for the seven, for the Eastern Conference Finals as Miami is to me right now. And, I, and I, I really can't substantiate who I think would replace them, but it depends, as we all know, it depends on the seating. Now, when we look out west, that's going to be where your playoff basketball comes in. It's going to be must-see TV. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we we definitely gonna we we may because, be doing some shows, watching yeah. games at the same time live. Because you you, um, you got a potential, you got a potential to have a Warriors versus Clippers in the first round. Like how 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 great that's gonna be. You know what I'm ooh, saying? Like that, man, that right now, if the, if the playoff if the playoffs start today, you got the Clippers going against the Warriors in the first round. Like how how crazy is that? That would be a heck of a first round. I'm gonna watch. Oh yeah, and, so, and no tonight, yeah, they only they only beat the Heat again by one point. So, nah, there, there's nothing to make of this. There's nothing to make And, and apparently they blocked the LeBron's dunk at the, at the end of the game. So, this could easily, they could easily won three of these four matchups. So, nah, I don't think it's, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all plays out as we come down the stretch 
for the NBA playoffs. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Got about 14 minutes left in the show. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports. Um, we talked a little bit about baseball, man. Wanted to get you up. We haven't talked about this real, uh, on the show before. Um, all-time favorite baseball player. Uh, Ken, who's your favorite uh, favorite baseball player of all time? Barry Bonds. That, 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 <laughs> that's my boy, man. <laughs> Barry Bonds, man, one of the most feared hitters in baseball. And, you know, I've said it on this show before. I say it every time I talk about the guy. But he's the only guy that you'll walk with the bases loaded. I mean, oh, no yeah. there's nothing else to yeah. say. There's nothing else to say. I, I got nothing else. Barry Bonds. I'm done. That is yeah, so Barry true, Bonds. Ken. You, you, you never lie. I'm sorry, what did you say, B? Me too. Now, okay, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds to me, too. That's all I'm going to say. Like, only... Ken took the words right out of my mouth. He's the only person you will walk when the base is loaded. <laughs> if, if Barry Bonds at the place, you're going to have that GM come out like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay. Hey, hey, <laughs> no, no, we're going <laughs> to and he he go he go talk to the pitcher. Uh, we we're gonna walk this one, okay? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna intentionally walk this one. You know you got the pitcher like, what the fuck? I mean they're gonna score. You know what? I don't give a shit. I would rather score score one run than right. have a grand slam. Yeah, we're gonna four. walk. Yeah, we're gonna walk very by. I mean pitchers used to be mad as hell, but that's how that's how much of a threat Barry Bonds was. He was cracking homers mm-hmm. out of the stadium when he was the Pittsburgh Pirates when he was yep. when he was when he was lean. You know what I'm saying? Like he's been cracking home runs. Way before the so you know the so called steroids cracked into him or whatever whatever but yeah that's another story for another day but yeah Barry Bonds for me no doubt what about you FIFO favorite baseball player of all time real talk if on that hip hop y'all could see my shoes y'all probably would know uh, Ken Griffey uh, that's a good one yeah Junior that's a good one that's a good one yep Ken Griffey Junior man um, and, and just, you know what FIFO Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I was about to go to. I was about to go to your point. I think if King Griffey didn't catch the Grand Hill syndrome somewhere in the middle of his career, he would have. He would have mm-hmm. surpassed. He would have. He would have surpassed uh, Hank Aaron's record before Barry Bonds did. Yep, I think so too. I think, man, yep. for me gr- growing up, you know, I've, I've never been a big baseball guy, but there was just something about King Griffey that just I would watch highlights and I would watch Mariner games just because of Griffey. And for yeah. me, it was it yeah. was the the way he swung the bat. It was an uppercut, and he yeah. just stood straight up and down at the plate. And when he hit it, it, it was yeah. instantly <laughs> gone because because yeah. of that uppercut swing is almost like a, a mm-hmm. golf swing. That thing shot straight up in the air, and you already knew because you could hear it. You know, like you can um, tell, you like can a, tell the way he walked, the way he even yep. walked after he swung it. He just you yep. knew it was gone. Yeah. He, he knew. Walked. Yep. Yeah, he had a certain walk. Yep, yep, and I, I just I like I, I like guys in, in sports that just show that they don't care who they're going against. Like I'm better than you, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just love that mentality. And Ken Ken Griffey always displayed that man defensively, offensively. He just had an air about himself that I'm better than you, and there's nothing you can do on your best day. You still can't beat me. So I, I just love that about Ken Griffey. Yeah, I, I think um, like 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 you said, man. If if he didn't get hurt, he would have. I mean, he oh, would yeah. have obliterated oh. so many records. I mean, we oh, yeah, to, today uh, to, 
funny we mentioned that today is actually the 40-year anniversary of Hank Aaron hitting his 715th home run, eclipsing uh, Babe Ruth's record. Um, you know, and, and obviously he was surpassed by Barry Bonds. And, you know, and I think one of the things that's kind of the downside of Bonds, obviously, is, you know, Bond, people forget Bonds, before all he, before he got into all of that steroid stuff and all that stuff, he was bad then. Like, he didn't need that yep. stuff. Um, yeah. And that's the downside to it is that had, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he probably still would have been the home run king without steroids. It's unfortunate he, you know, decided to get himself caught up in the mix of that stuff and, you know, ultimately, you know, got himself, you know, in a whole bunch of trouble. Uh, but, you know, at the time, yeah, baseball kind of turned a, a, a blind eye to, you know, steroid use. And, and I, we we got other shows we're going to talk about that. But, um, yeah, Bonds, like Ken said, man, most feared hands down. Um, my favorite player growing up, and it's only because I really started watching him when I started watching baseball, um, was Daryl Strawberry. Uh, Daryl okay. Strawberry, man, like you said, you talk about a swing. Man, Dell Strawberry and Ken Griffey Jr. probably had some of the two of the prettiest swings I've ever seen mm-hmm. in baseball. Um, Strawberry obviously, you know, got caught up in drugs and everything. Uh, you know, had he stayed clean his whole career, uh, he would have and could have been, you know, one of the all-time. I thought I think he's still great, but I mean, a phenomenal talent. Both he and Doc Gooden came into the league at around the same time, and. Um, you know, they were youthful guys and, and with the Mets, and, and obviously Strawberry played on different teams, played for my Yankees. Uh, that's where he finished out his career. But um, huge fan of Strawberry. I like the way he played the game. Strawberry was like 6'6", real lanky, but, I mean, he, 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 was, he was a natural. I mean, he made things look really, really easy. And for me, um, at the time that I started watching baseball, like early in my life, I, I actually liked to watch baseball more so than to play it. Um Strawberry was the man. Strawberry was the man, hands down, hands down. Phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Um, next question I have for you guys, uh, and I'll start with you first, people. Best, what's the best play in sports? Slam dunk, the home run, or the touchdown? Simple. And why? Mm. Um, see, slam dunk is so basic. If you would have said alley oop, I, I probably would have said alley <laughs> Okay, we can go alley oop there. It don't matter. <laughs> um, it would have to be either the alley oop or, or, or the home run. I, 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 I'm going to tie them, and this is the reason why. Because the alley oop requires two people and it requires somebody it requires a lot of things it requires timing first and foremost vision chemistry um athleticism you know it requires so much for it to to really happen because sometimes you know it's obvious but sometimes especially like when you watch the clippers where cp just be throwing it's like well what do you oh shit (laughs) right 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 you You just see the ball going in the air yep um, and then I would I would definitely have to say the home run mainly because uh, baseball that's that's a hard sport man and most pitchers are throwing ninety plus miles an hour and for you to have bat speed the power the vision the 
you know, just everything to, to, to hit, you know, 400 plus feet, 380 in some parks, you know, it, it's crazy, man. That That's hard. That's that's a little target coming. And you don't have, you know, the bat isn't like it's way bigger. It's not like twice the size of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to be pretty damn accurate to, 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 to get a home run. So, yeah, I, I think those are the two hardest plays in sports. Okay, no doubt, no doubt. What about you, uh, B? Uh, best play in sports, slam dunk, home run, or touchdown? Uh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> best play. I would say slam dunk. I mean, so I guess depending on it, sometimes a slam dunk, you know, done the right way, like Scottie Pippen over Patrick Ewing. It could be emotional mm-hmm. changing. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, that's not an alley-oop before, and I, I would rather have that Scotty sure. Pippen slam dunk, you know, over some of them alley-oops because that, that Scotty Pippen slam dunk was so emotional. And it, it just – sometimes a good slam dunk, especially if you, you know, if you do it right and, and dunk on a on a certain amount of people or a center or something like that, it can get the team riled up, and it can start a run or it can start a, a momentum shift or something like that. You know, who knows? That dunk that uh, Young did yesterday on – Yeah, yeah, that was hard. That was sick. It could have – you know, I was like, when I saw it, I'm like, okay, that that can probably get, get you know, Kentucky riled up or whatever. You know, it didn't, but, you know, in, in, some, in other cases, a slam dunk can get can start a momentum or start a run and get teams riled up. So, I say slam dunk just uh, just because of that. It can be a momentum change in the event. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? Uh, best play in sports, man. Slam dunk, home run, or touchdown. Um, you know what? I, I like the home run, man. I think just going to baseball games and sitting there and you just uh, – the reason why is you just never know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, you know, it's, it's one pitch, two pitch, three pitch, and then next you know it's like, wow, and, and, and the ball's just gone. And it, just, it just catches you. Like, you expect touchdowns, you know, uh, in most games. Exciting touchdowns are great. You know, uh, like uh, Calvin Johnson catching the ball over three people. I, I don't know if he scored a touchdown on that. But anyway, but the sighting touchdowns <laughs> where they make great uh, – he did? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, when they make great, outstanding plays, I think those are really exciting. Um, like Des Bryant, the one he caught. Um, uh, slam dunks, you know, certain slam dunks are exciting, but, but you know, they're expected game by game. And you kind of do it with the same thing with baseball, but they're – you know, you just never know what pitch is going to come on. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. uh, and being there in the moment to watch it is it, it, kind of cool, man, to just see that ball just dip out. And especially if it's a, you know, if it's a walk-off home run. I mean, it, nothing gets better than that. So, um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I like I like the home run. You know, I, I got to go with you, Ken, for the, for the same reason you said. I, now, obviously, having played football all my life, I love touchdowns. Um, like B said, a slam dunk is is basic. But if you dunk, if you, you know, an alley oop, or if you dunk on somebody, I mean that's always a almost always a momentum changer. Um, we've all been to high school and played high school ball, and and getting a slam dunk in high school is always like the shit. Like <laughs> you know, when a guy and, and God forbid if you could dunk on somebody in high school, I mean like that that was always phenomenal. Uh, but like Ken said, man, a home run just because how it's, it's very difficult first and foremost to hit a baseball. Period. Point blank. It's very difficult to hit a baseball uh, when you can't connect. And and like Ken said, you know, touchdowns you usually see them coming. You know, you, especially if you've driven the ball down the field or what have you. Touchdowns take time to 
to develop. But you literally can turn your head one minute at a baseball game, and the next minute all you hear is the crack of a bat. Next thing you know, the ball's flying out of the park. Um, so i got to go with baseball, man. Probably the most exciting play. Um, man, man, we, <laughs> we're getting notifications. I mean, we were supposed to do the closing statements, but uh, getting notification, man, we only got 90 seconds left in the show. Man, phenomenal show, as always. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, got to thank uh, the cats that called in. Got to thank my man Brandon, a.k.a. Kaza, for calling in. My man Corey calling in from Charlotte. Uh, and my man Charles Rice with Dead End Hip Hop for calling in as well. I uh, want to thank everybody for, for tuning in as you do each and every week. Remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports uh make sure that you if you're on stitcher you can check us out on stitcher uh just go to the just upload the stitcher application to your phone if you have an iphone or android it's free uh search dead end sports so you can listen at your leisure as well um as i mentioned uh check out our website deadendsports.com check out our other website you know the one deadendhiphop.com check out the videos uh hit us up on twitter uh, at Dead End Sports, you can hit us up individually on Twitter. Uh, we're all over the place. Uh, so for FIFO, for Ken, for B, I'm your host, Twelve Kyle. We'll holler at you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.